0: last year at the beginning of this year 2019 um, I had a prayer and and I believe the Lord is answering that prayer but it's not in a way that I thought that he might answer that prayer my prayer was this and I've got it in my little pink journal you guys won't like that but this is my little journal and um, I prayed that this year would be a fruitful year a fruitful year in fact I had a little picture I even drew it I'm not I'm in no way an artist at all but I drew a little picture and probably too small for you to see but it's got a two and an F for fruit and it's got 2019 on it and I just really felt that that's what God wanted to do this year and is doing this year Um, if you remember when I spoke um, early January um, I mentioned to you the story from Matthew 25 about being wise and being prepared, for the bridegroom was coming. And not to think that he wasn't, but that the bridegroom is coming. May not be here just yet, but what do we do in the time between uh, that we are waiting? What do we do with that time? Well, I said that probably that is the best time to be preparing for his coming and that the Lord, the Lord is preparing us. I believe that, you know, that this year was a, t- a time of stepping out of the boat for many of us, stepping out of the boat, laying aside weights, following after the call, that's upon us individually and corporately and of meaning business with God individually and corporately and being about father's business being about his his house his business and being prepared that God desires of people who are persistent relentlessly pursuing his purposes his way his time And it was shortly after I was just, I just had a sense that God wanted to bring about a fruitful time in our lives. And I read this scripture and it just seemed to go down into the very depths of my being. And I knew it was a word, but I didn't know whether it was just for me or whether it was to share. And so everything I share today, I'd like you to be the judge of that. Because it was, it was a personal word, but it's perhaps also a corporate word. And it begins in John chapter 15. So I'd like you to turn there. John chapter 15, verses 1. It's a very familiar scripture that we all know very well and yet so potent. I am, Jesus is speaking here, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. That it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burnt. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. I've been reading from the New King James Version. The ESV Version says, and so prove to be my disciples. Jesus is using a lot of symbolism here. And, um, you know, there's some words that we're going to look at. We're going to look at the word vine, vine dresser, prune, branch, fruit. And abide the cultivation of vineyards was very 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 important to the economy of Israel and so what Jesus was saying is very 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 familiar to everyone he was speaking to he was not introducing something new it was familiar something else I'd like you to keep in mind is that these were Jesus' last words to his disciple before he went to the cross. John chapter 13 through 17 is all that he was talking to them in the upper room. The Last Supper went on. And this was a portion of it. Just remind remind yourself of that as we go through this. Let's look at the word vine. It says, I am the true vine. Well, we know that the vine, the true vine, is who? Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. What's the purpose of a vine? The purpose of a vine is to bring nourishment, the source of life for the entire plant. He is our source of life. Jesus is our source of life. And I've heard it said early this year that, that you can have all the power in the world in that electrical socket, but if you don't go and plug the plug into the wall and turn on the switch, all the power can be there, but you have no access to it unless you're plugged in. Unless we are grafted in, unless we are abiding in that vine, we're away from the source. And what happens to a branch that gets away from the vine is that, can it survive on its own? If I had brought in a plant here this morning and cut off a stem, how long would that stem last? It would last a while, but it wouldn't last for long. It would wither and die. Why? Because it's not connected to the source. So Jesus is our vine. He is our source of life. So we need to get connected. Because without him, we can do what? Absolutely nothing. And I become more and more and more and more, as I get older and older, how really true that is. Without him, we can do absolutely nothing. Union with, with Christ is It's alive. He's alive. Our God is alive. He's living. He's interested in you. Your every move, your every moment, he's interested and involved in. It's the kind of a God that we serve. He's compassionate. He loves you. He loves you beyond words. It's immeasurable, the love that he has for you. And that union that we have with him is living. And its foundation is love. The foundation of your relationship with Jesus Christ is love. He loves you. He's got your best interests in mind. You can rest in the palm of his hand knowing that he's got this. He's got you. He's never going to leave you, nor is he ever going to forsake you. Can you say amen to that? Let's look at the word vine dresser. Jesus said, I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. My Father, God the Father, is the vine dresser. He's the one in charge of tending to the vine. It is he who prunes the branches. Not Jesus. He's the vine. He's our source. But the father is the one that comes and prunes the vine. Oh dear, the vine dresser holds qualifications to do a precise job. I did a little bit of research about pruners, about vine dressers. that there's a lot of training involved in doing it properly. The purpose of the pruning is two things. It's number one, the health of the vine, but also for fruit bearing. And the vine dresser on that, on that um, vine Let's just think of a a vineyard. On that vine, he's looking for quantity, yes, but also quality. He looks for two things. And so is God, our Father, looking for quantity of fruit, but also the quality of the fruit. I just want you to note the progression of the fruit here. It says in verse 2, There's a progression from no fruit to more fruit in verse 2. And then verse 5. And verse 8 is much fruit in 5 and 8. It says by this in verse 8, and we'll talk about this after. Uh, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The research that I, I, I did uncovered this, that a vine dresser prunes the branch in two ways. He cuts away dead wood, which breeds disease and insects. So that's got to go, right? To keep the vine healthy. But also, he cuts away living tissue so that the life of the vine will not be so dissipated that the quality of the crop will be jeopardized. He will even cut away whole bunches of grapes so that the rest of the crop will be of higher quality. Now these are just quotes. The pruning process is the most important part of the entire enterprise, and the people who do it must be carefully trained, or they can destroy an entire crop. Some vineyards invest two or three years in training the primers so they know where to cut, how much to cut, and even at what angle to make a cut. Have you ever felt pruned? Oh, dear me. Two little stories for you. One it was after Eugene and I got married, and I probably told you this story before, but we had crab apple tree in the back of our garden or yard and it, we'd been in there a few years and we just left it to itself and you know it just got overgrown and yes there was apples on it maybe not as many as but it was kind of unruly looking and the apples got to the place where there was they were diseased so we thought well you know what the tree's diseased anyway We're going to call somebody in, and we're going to get them to look after this tree. Either cut it down, if it's not worth anything, or we're going to have it pruned. So we did that. Called somebody. We were away. Don't know where. Came home, and there was the tree. It was. It had about three branches left on it. It had a trunk left. And about three spokes like this, bare, bare. And we both thought to ourselves, you know what? That tree's probably, it's either going to be the best thing for it or it's going to be dead in the the spring. Because we thought he'd killed it. It was bare. Have you ever felt pruned to the place where you feel bare, just down to nothing? Well, the next spring. Believe you me, I have never seen a tree produce good fruit, an abundance of fruit like that tree did. But it took a pruning. So was that pruning good for that tree or not? The alternative was being infested with bugs because the tree was diseased. The pruning sorted that out. Another little story. Maybe some of you teenagers will be appreciate this. So When I was about 16, 17 years old, I really got turned on to God when I was 16. Amazing story. Someday I'll tell you about it. But, you see, all my grown-up years, I had grown up in a farming community. My uncles were um, heavy horse people. They raised them, they showed them, they used them on the farm, but it was a big deal in the Brown family. It was Showing was a big deal. They're all horsemen. So I ended up with this little beautiful, beautiful quarter horse mare. She was bay. She had a blonde mane. Can you just imagine it? She was a beautiful little, little mare. I had tack that matched her. I made sure everything was matchy. And I went along to all the country fairs with my uncles. And mom and dad, we had a little trailer that we carted and we did the fairs. And uh, shortly after I really got turned on to God, I didn't do too bad in the fairs now, I'll just tell you that, just right now. Um, um, So shortly after I got turned on to God, um, I went to college in town and we did not have the money to keep her in town. So I had to sell her. And so I sold her to my cousin. Um, And he took her home. And he was good. He was a good horseman. Sold my tack, the whole bit, whole kit and caboodle, I sold. And I felt that the Lord had asked me to do that just It was something that God was asking me to do, put it that way. And because it was part of a distraction, it was part of not that anything was wrong with it. It was a good thing. It was a good thing. I love my my horse, and, and I loved doing that, and I had a lot of fun, and there's nothing wrong with that. But It's just that God was asking me just to give her up. Circumstances were such that I needed to, so I did. wasn't... One or two weeks later, that I'd sold her, she was there, she was in their care, she was in their, their barns. It was winter. My cousin Darrell opened the door, snow fell off the roof, scared her. She reared back, clipped her head on the back of the um, cross beams, and killed her instantly. Killed her. And I felt very See, I could have gone out to my cousins and ridden her any time I felt like it, visited her, kept that tie there, kept that focus partially there, but I believe it was something God was pruning off my life to be focused on Him at 16, 16 years old. But it was a good thing. Because I knew I had a call of caught on me. And I had to be focused. It's not something I'd have chosen to be done. But it was something the fine dresser did. And sometimes when you go through a pruning, it's tough to take. But the fine dresser knows. Best for, them, for his children, for, his, for, a, for a life. Those were two little stories. I know what it's like to be pruned. In fact, this year, when I said that prayer to the Lord, 2019, God, I just believe that you're saying this is going to be a fruitful year, and it has been, but it's not been without pruning. I have felt pruned in many ways. And I've shed some tears this year already. That's okay. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. Because I know who's in control of the pruning. It's my Heavenly Father who loves me. And His purposes are good for pruning, that which needs to go from my life. Even this week, I have felt pruned. But it's okay, because I know who's in control. Here's a quote from a commentary. Your Heavenly Father is never nearer to you than when he's pruning you. Sometimes he cuts away the dead wood that might cause trouble, but often he cuts off the living tissue that's robbing you of spiritual vigor. Pruning does not simply mean spiritual surgery that removes what is bad. It can also mean cutting away the good and the better so that we might enjoy the best. Yes, pruning hurts, but it also helps we may not enjoy it but we need it how does the father prune us well sometimes he simply uses the word to convict and cleanse us sometimes he must chasten us at the time it hurts when he removes something precious from us but as the spiritual crop is produced we see that the father knew what he was doing the more we abide in Christ, the more fruit we bear. And the more fruit we bear, the more the Father has to prune us so that the quality keeps up with the quantity. That's one thing. We, you know, I was asking, Lord, when does this pruning stop? And I was thinking, oh, really? <laughs> okay. Left to itself, the branch might produce many clusters, but they will be, be inferior in quality. God is glorified by a bigger crop that is also a better crop. That's a quote. All right, let's look at the next word. Branches, that's us, you and me. We're the branches. What are branches for? What's the purpose of a branch? Think of a tree. Think of my crab apple tree. Purpose of a branch is to bear fruit. Can the branch bear fruit without the vine, without the trunk? No, cannot. It draws life from the vine. Verse 4 tells us, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. It's our communion and, and union with Christ being connected to the source that brings life. And the results, the results is fruit, bearing fruit. Do you and I as a branch have to think about bearing fruit? Does a branch on a tree think, well, right, I'm going to bear an apple now. Here it comes. You know, do we have to do that? Or is it just a natural outflow of life? It's a natural, you're going to be unaware of the fruit that's on your, on your branches. It's just going to be there and what is fruit for is it for you does a tree eat its own fruit no it's for others to come by and grab some of that fruit that you've got in your life and eat of it some of that goodness that's just oozing out over top of you overflow and they're going to eat of that goodness that you've got brimming in your life because of the vine because you've been through a pruning and you know because of the quality of that fruit how about patience don't pray for patience by the way so that's what branches do how about abide let's look at that word and I have to hurry up. How about abide? Well, I looked at a definition. I just plunked in my laptop, defined ab- abide. And it said this, it means to remain, it means to stay, it means to continue to be present, to dwell, to endure. That's what abide means. So when he says, abide in me, he means stick around, stay, draw from me, endure. When the pruning is going on, it's an endurance, is it not? It's an endurance because you feel dry. You feel like there's no, you're just sitting there bare. Dry, dry time. But if we will endure and realize that life in the vine is still there, if we'll just plug in, if we'll just plug in daily, that sap's going to flow. Because you are His and He is ours. We're connected. We are connected. We are connected. We're grafted in. We are part of Him. He says, abide in me and I in you. It's a two-way deal. It's a two-way deal. That close communion between the Lord and us results in this: hearing His voice. How many would like to hear His voice afresh? Yeah, anybody? Um, How about faith being imparted? Once you've heard that word, the faith—you know—that little man that's inside you that stands up. I have a little man that's in there, and when faith is imparted, there's a little man stands up, and there's nothing going to move me because I know that I know. That I know? That I know? Anybody else have a little knower inside them? Fresh revelation. How many of you want a fresh revelation each morning when you wake up? How about enlightenment? You open up the scripture and you see something new. Oh, never saw that before. Enlightenment in the spirit. Working the power of, of God that's working within us. Comfort, peace, and love comes from communion and union with him, bearing the fruit. And here's something good, great joy. Great joy. You know, but all of that, all of that takes a conscious effort. In the pruning times, it takes a conscious effort to go and take your plug and plug it in. does it not? I've been there. I've been there. Have you been there? It takes a conscious effort and sometimes it doesn't feel like there's any electricity flowing, not just yet, but it does come. So what joy it is when we meet God in a place of worship and it could be just a simple in your quiet moment where God begins to flood your soul and your spirit it may be in a small prayer that you pray in the middle of a coffee shop somewhere in your corner that God begins to speak to you you're going to you're you're going to experience joy in serving and in sacrifice. You know there's joy in sacrifice? Because sacrifice, obedience always requires a sacrifice. There's joy in obedience. There's great joy, and you think, what? There is. Let's read together. Look at your Bibles now. Verse 7. Verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you... You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Wow. How many of you want your prayers answered? Come on, put your hands, feet up. We all want our prayers answered, don't we? We want answers. I want answers. I've got some unanswered things, and I want some answers. The Lord's telling me, then abide. Abide in me. Let my words abide in you. Remember what that word abide means. As I was reading this passage, and this has always baffled me, why verse three is in there? In the middle of saying, I'm the vine, you're the God is the vine, or father's the vine dresser, we're branches, every every branch that bears fruity And then in the middle of all that, it seems like he drops verse 3. He says, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. And I've always questioned that, thinking, what's that doing in there? Remember that verses, chapters 13 through 17, were Jesus' last time to address his disciples. He was having intimate time with them. He was communing with them during this time. They'd, They'd just finished Eating, chapter 13, verse 3 comes back to chapter 13, where Jesus <clears throat> where Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. And he says, you're already clean because of what I've spoken to you you're going to find in chapter 13 10 to 15 that Judas washes or Jesus washes the feet of the disciples including Judas can i just read this little section to you and jesus said to him he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet but is completely clean He's telling his disciples, you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he says, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you say, well, for so I am. For I, then, for I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you, you should do as I have done to you. So he was giving them this amazing, this, this amazing, amazing, played out in front of their eyes, example. But what got me was, He said that they were not all clean, but it's the washing of the word, the cleansing of the word. Ephesians 5.26 says, we are sanctified and cleansed by the washing of the word. He says in John 15, you are all clean. Judas has gone off to do his, his deed by then. We need clean hearts, clean hands, clean motives when it comes to abiding in God. He sees it all. And you know, it's my prayer, Father, if, if I'm not clean, Lord, cleanse me, O oh God. Know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. Being exposed completely to God and allow him, allowing him to cleanse you. It's a wonderful thing. He's telling his disciples now, you are all clean. You are all clean. But to me it speaks of having a clean heart and clean motives before God. Verse 8. By this my fathers glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Okay. Okay. Doesn't end there. Can you hang in there with me? Can you hang in? So, are you all right? Okay, good. We're going to do the next section. I'll try to speed through it a little bit faster. This next section, verses 9 17, we are asked to do three things. Three things the Lord is asking us to do one, abide in his love, two, keep his commandments. Or obey and to love one another let's read 9 to 11 as the father loved me I also have loved you abide in my love if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as my just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you, and your joy may be full. In verse 4, it says, abide in me. Now he's saying, abide in my love. Remember what abide means. It means to remain, to stay. It means to continue, to be present. It means to dwell, endure. We've just finished the ladies. um, We finished studying Ephesians a couple of months back. Ephesians 3, 17 to 19 says that we are to be rooted and grounded in love so that we may know the love of Christ and be filled with all the fullness of God. Rooted, that think, can you think about a vine or tree being rooted and grounded in love, that we may know the love of Christ, to know it, and to be filled with the fullness of God. I don't know about you, but I, I really want to know the fullness of God in my life. I want to be brimming over with God. I want to carry the presence of God wherever I go. That's my desire. And that's a work of the Holy Spirit that has to take place in each one of our lives and and corporately is that the Lord will do such a work in us that we're just brimming, brimming over, spilling over. My cup overflows. And what does it overflow with? It's going to overflow with good fruit, good fruit. If we know the love of God, that God has for us. We will be able to trust and rest while our Father, the vine dresser, lovingly prunes prunes us, knowing that he means no harm, only good. And he's, what he's doing is preparing a way for a bumper crop. Do you say that here, bumper crop? You know what, okay, a bumper crop of fruit in our lives. If we are rooted and grounded In his love, we will not fear or resist or run from the vine dresser. You ever felt like running from the vine dresser? Feel like, have you ever seen a tree pick up its roots and run? Like a no. Or is it planted? Is it stationary? Does it remain through the wind and the storms, through the droughts? It remain. it's planted. Sometimes I felt like picking up my roots and running to a different part of the stream to plant myself in. But you know what? That's not God's plan. God plants us where he wants us. Isaiah 61, verse 3, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Verse 10 says, keep my commandments. Jesus kept his father's commandments, and he's asking us to keep his. In so doing, we abide in his love. So keeping his commandments, obeying, is part of abiding. And abiding, verse 11, abiding and obeying results in, my joy will remain in you, and your joy will be full. Do you know that obedience, there is joy in obedience? Have you ever experienced it in your own life where you've obeyed something you knew you were to do and it just felt good? It brought joy in your life. I've been there. I've obeyed once in a while. Read verse 12 and 13. This is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. For his friends. Jesus is saying this, laying down his life for his friends. Love one another as I've loved you. Well, who are God's friends? Verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command you. These are not my words. This is is right there and I'm being challenged I am personally being challenged like I said this was a personal word and I didn't know whether or not that this was a corporate word or not but I just it was discerned that yes I need to do this so this is what I'm doing I'm being obedient and I've got joy you are my friends if you do what I command you Okay, now watch this. Now this is exciting, this next one. You are no longer, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. Why? Because we're obedient, we're abiding. For all things that I've heard from the Father, I've made known to you. Psalm 25, verse 14 says, the secret of the Lord is with those that fear him. He will show them his covenant. As friends, there's a song out that says, I'm a friend of God, I'm a friend of God. We know it? Yeah. Friends share things with each other that you don't share with everybody. Is that not true? You've got some friends that are in your little inner circle. I know in high school, oh dear, there was a lot of that going on. You had to be in the inner circle it was a lot of hard work being in. One day I walked in and said, I don't care if I'm in. I've got God in my life. And I went, th- i tell you someday, I'll tell you the story. It was radical. It set me apart, i tell you that. But I never looked back, and I had such joy in doing it. Do you want to be in God's inner circle? Do you want to hear those secrets? and get plugged in. Abide. Obey. Love one another. Verse 16, you didn't choose me. I've chosen you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask, the Father in my name he may give you. Well, there's a lot there. We are chosen. You are chosen. Do you realize that God who created this world put his finger down on top of your head and chose you? You are chosen. You are precious. You are treasured. And not only that, but he's given you a purpose. He's Appointed you, you've got a reason to be in here. You're not a mistake. You are not a mistake. You are chosen and you're appointed. But he wants us to bear fruit, and that that fruit remains. The branch isn't connected, the fruit will die on the vine. So I need to stay connected. As hard as that is sometimes. We just got some news this week that was hard to take. I have to stay connected. I have to make right choices. I have to say, God, your control anyway. Look it in the face and say, That's okay. I'm on top of the world. Because I know who's in control of all things. And it's my Heavenly Father who loves me. Even though I may feel a little bit pruned, that's okay. Because I'm going to bear more fruit because of it. And you know what? I'm going to have more reward. That's worth celebrating. I'm looking for rewards in God. How about you? Not that we do it for reward. We do it because we love him. But the result of that is reward. This, this is not in vain, folks. All of this pruning and abiding and, and, and hearing God, and that, that does not go un, unrewarded. Remain, stay stay plug in let the storms come prune me if you like cut all the branches off that you like but I'm staying the song was we sang today I didn't know his list I shall not be moved I shall not be moved but I will stay in the center of God's will wherever that may be okay Verse 17, these things, all these things, all these things that we've just read, I command you that you love one another. You know what? Conditions met for answered prayer. Read it. If we abide, if we obey, if we love one another, condition's bad. Get ready. Here comes answers, and I'm ready. This is constant now. It's not, well, I'm going to abide today and not tomorrow. I'm going to pull out of the, I'm going to pull my, my cord out of the source and I'm going to drag it behind me tomorrow and go do my own thing. No, we've got to stay, in order for the fruit to remain, we've got to stay plugged in it happens to come out, stick it back in quick. Get back plugged in. Because we're missing out. We're missing out if we don't. I'm speaking at myself here. I'm speaking at myself. It's coming right back at me. In fact, the, I always say, oh Lord, you don't want me to speak to you because usually I'm tested right about five minutes after I'm done. <laughs> and I think the one that gets does the speaking gets tested the worst so here's a little summary of John 15 those that little section okay and it's there's still a good part coming so what time is it here's a little summary pruning results in bearing fruit proving to be disciples and bringing glory to god verse 8 Pruning results in bearing much fruit, proving to be disciples, and bringing glory to God. How many of you want to bring glory to God in your life? You can stand before him at the end when it's all said and done, and he can say, well done. I'm excited. Well done. Is everything that we've gone through here really going to matter? If we get a well done at the end, we're going to forget about it, aren't we? We're going to say, what was the process? I was in boot camp. Wow. Where was I? Branches who abide in him, abide in the word, and abide in his love result in bearing fruit. That bearing of fruit results in prayers answered. Read it, verse 7, verse 9, and verse 16. Here's another one. Obeying his commandments results in joy, great joy, verse 11. And getting in that inner circle, being called a friend of God, verse 14. As branches, we must abide. As friends, we must obey. That's what the Lord was speaking to me early January. I couldn't really develop it because we went into the uh, Bible study of Ephesians. So my mind was completely into Ephesians. But this has stuck with me and has not let me go. So I hope you can glean something from it. Yes, it's a personal word. It's a personal word to me. But perhaps it's a corporate word too. Maybe you can glean something from it. There's part two, and that is, I was thinking about the life of Joseph. If ever there was a man who was pruned, oh, it was Joseph. Joseph was pruned of his family, his home, his sense of belonging He was pruned of his country, his homeland. He was pruned of his dignity. He was sold as a slave. He was pruned of his ego. And at 17, he had a bit of an ego. And he was made a servant in a dungeon yet. He was pruned of his dream. There he sat in jail. Here comes, but God. But God, in all of that pruning, God produced a fruitful bough. God produced a fruitful bough, (laughs) saved a nation. He had a purpose, but there needed to be some pruning so that God's purposes could be perfectly done. Do you think Joseph was thinking about that at the end? God produced a fruitful bough, and you know what he's doing to you and I? He's producing fruitful boughs right here in front of me. Lord, may may I be included in that, please. And you know what? I believe this that we're on the verge of a blessing. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis 49 and read (coughs) Jacob's blessing upon (coughs) Joseph. Now he had a he had something to say to all of them. Jacob was dying. Genesis 49, Jacob was dying and he brought his sons in and he spoke his last words that he wanted to speak to them. And this is what he said to Joseph. And I tell you what, Joseph got the the best blessing of them all. Joseph, verse 22, Joseph is a fruitful bough. A fruitful bough by a well. What's in a well? Water. He'd been made clean. He'd been pruned. He had had to abide in the word of God through all those years. Through all that he went through, he'd been made clean. And you know what? His branches, it says it ran over the wall. It wasn't just a little branch. It was an abundance. It went so big it went up over the walls. Uncontrollable abundance. Now, verse 23, the archers bitterly grieved him. It wasn't without opposition. They shot at him and hated him, but his bow remained in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob, the shepherd, the stone of Israel. by the God of your father who will help you and by the almighty who will bless you with the blessings of heaven above blessings of the deep that lies beneath blessings of the breast and the womb the blessings of your father have excelled the blessings of my ancestors up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills I mean massive now they shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who was separate from his brothers what a blessing I'm reminded of Psalm 139 verse 5 where it says that the hand of blessing rests upon our heads Joseph was set apart for purpose, and so are we. So are you. So are we. Jacob blessed his son, Joseph. And I believe that our father is poised, poised to pronounce abundant blessings upon us. Remember what the conditions are. Abide. Obey. Love. It's God's intention to bring great joy, much fruit, answered prayer, and great blessing into your life and into mine and into this church fellowship. Would you say amen? That's his intent. Where does the Lord command that kind of blessing? How good, how pleasant, how sweet it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Psalm 133. For there the Lord commands the blessing, life forevermore. And you know what? This body has come into unity. Can you sense the presence of God when we meet Has there been something special the last long time? It's been something special. You sense that? It started. Now we have to stay plugged in. We have to continue and remain and stay planted. Connected to the source. Because our fruit needs to remain. And it says that that glorifies God. I want to glorify him. How about you? I want to to glorify God in my life. That's what I want. You know what? We are a body. We are. We are a body of dwellers and abiders. We are. Amen? We are obedient sons and daughters. We are stayers and remainers. We are fruit bearers who glorify God. We are believers who love one another. We are chosen and appointed. We are already blessed by an almighty God. The hand of blessing has been upon our lives. And even though we have felt individually pruned, throughout a period of time that just means he's making a way for a bumper crop however that looks that's up to him that's up to him and I believe that remember I said early in the year that I believe that God was preparing if we will prepare while we wait for the bridegroom to come let us not get so focused on receiving a blessing, but let's focus on being one. This body's here for a purpose. You and I are here for a purpose, and it's to be a blessing. Be a blessing. Eyes off of ourselves and onto other people. Be a blessing. Let them take a fruit off your branch and eat. Take someone out for coffee. Put your arm around them. Let them eat of the goodness that God's given you in your life. Yes, we're none of us are perfect, and we're all in process. But God is doing a work. Can you say amen to that? You know what? We're to be a blessing to who, whosoever, wheresoever, whensoever He chooses. He's the vine dresser; we're the branches.